and welcome to Premier League Press Box, the podcast that goes behind the scenes. We're two radio reporters, myself, Nigel Bidmead and Ian Beach. We've been knocking around for a while. We go to oh, games. Speak for yourself. I've been knocking around for a while. <laughs> we go to games and we'd like to bring you a flavour of what it's like to work in and around the most high profile league in the world. Beachy, where were you last weekend? I was at Wembley for Tottenham against Fulham. And uh, Tottenham were deserved 3-1 winners. Not quite a full house at Wembley, was no, it? No, no. Uh, 58,000. Uh, lots of empty seats. The atmosphere wasn't quite as good as we might have expected. And I think the fact that Tottenham are uh, having their difficulties about moving into the new stadium probably goes some way to explain that. And uh, where were you on Saturday? London Stadium. It wasn't full either, but there was a very good atmosphere. I say it wasn't full. It wasn't quite full. It was a very good atmosphere, at least in the first half. I think the West Ham fans are going to have to be patient with their new manager and a whole host of new players. He's just going to have to find who his strongest team is. I don't think he had his best team out. And uh, they got turned over, I think it's fair to say, in the second half. Monday night, I went to Crystal Palace, Liverpool. Excellent game Ah. of football. Really good atmosphere. But there was something missing. And one of the players mentioned it to me afterwards, which is there's a dispute between Crystal Palace and the Ultras, who normally inhabit the corner of the Homestale Road End. They want to move to behind the goal, a more central position, the fans behind the goal don't want to give up their seats. And uh, this player said, oh, you know, we miss them. And I think this is going to be an issue for Palace. It's one they don't want to let fester. And you can imagine it would become more of an issue if results, especially at home, don't go very well in the next few games. So yeah, absolutely, that will be interesting. OK, well, the plan with the Premier League Press Box podcast is to bring you a couple of interviews every week, giving you a little idea of different aspects of what goes around covering Premier League football. And uh, you spoke to a former professional, didn't you, after your game? A former Charlton and Wimbledon centre-forward who now works for Premier League Productions. And his main duty is to look after the growing army of foreign TV correspondents. And uh, he had some very interesting things to say. Yep, so we'll get on to that a bit later. But first of all, my interview, which uh, took place at Wembley, is with a South Korean journalist. There are lots of journalists from South Korea who come specifically to watch the matches that involve Tottenham because of Son Heung-min, who's away at the Asian Games at the moment. And, uh, well, as you can imagine, that's one of the major topics that came up when uh, I spoke to Gun Lee. I imagine you're, you're here really to follow the story about Son Heung-min, yeah. is that right? Right. And, uh, you know, the, nowadays in the, in, the, in the South Korea, Son Heung-min Son is a very popular player and the best player in the South Korea. But a lot of Koreans focus on the, what's going on about the Son's play. But if, you know, the, if the son scores, you know, whole Korean Peninsula is just like, wow, it's just like that. But, uh, you, you know, nowadays he's not here because of the Asian game to serve his military service. So, yeah, rather pe- per- people want son got to win, win the Asian game. But if not, maybe he will be big trouble. When did you first come over to England to report on, on matches in the, in the Premier League? Is it when Son signed for Tottenham or were there other South Korean players you were interested in before? Uh, actually, I arrived in here at the 2000, 2018 now, two years ago, 2016. 16. Yeah, at uh, February, so after Son signed the Tottenham Hotspur. So at that time, I was first first correspondent from the South Korea in here. Uh, before that, there is some the temporary correspondent is in here. There are several temporary correspondents, but uh, in my case, I'm a permanent correspondent in here. So, 
So who is it that you're working for? You're here as a, as a permanent correspondent, is it for a uh, newspaper? Yeah, newspaper, South Korean newspaper is named Sports Joseon. It's a daily sports newspaper in Korea. And they send you to, to come and, and live in London, is that how it works? Or do you just come over for the, for the football season? Sorry? Do they send you to come and yeah. live here, or do you just come here for the football season? Are you a permanent resident, I guess, in, in London, or is it just, you know, the football season starts in August and you, you come back? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. That's right. I know just uh, coming here for the football season, but I mainly cover the football. But, uh, you know, the yeah, mainly cover the football. Another sport I, co- I cover sometimes, if, you know, the Korean tennis player uh, plays in the Roland Garros and the Wimbledon, I will cover, but uh, I just focus on the Premier League, especially soon. And key maybe, key is you know the player in the Newcastle, yeah. Of course, of course. Well, I've seen uh, SBS television in uh, in uh, South Korea, and basically the, the highlights will often just be what did Son do yeah, in the match right, or right. what did Key and do. And you you the some the TV TV screen, you know the if the Son plays there. There is some the son's face on That's the TV right, screen, yeah. yeah. In the corner. So up by yeah, where, right. the, where the score is normally, you have the, the, a picture of the player. Yeah, is right. he playing? Yeah. yeah, incredible. So it's amazing to think that, um, obviously, in England, if we cover the Premier League, you know, a lot of it is about the teams. But I guess for, for you guys in South Korea, it's a lot more about the individual players. Yeah. Are there a lot of people back home who are following Tottenham or are they more interested in Son and Key? Is that how it works? Yeah, you know, the, uh, the Korean, most Koreans just focus on the Son and Ki. So they focus, nowadays they love the Tottenham because of the Son plays. Uh, imagine that, you know, the 10 years ago, Park Ji-sung plays in the Man United. So a lot of Koreans just cheer the Man United only. And after that, nobody cares about the Premier League. Somebody cares, but uh, okay, I don't care about it because of there, were, there, isn't, there is not any Korean player in the Premier League. But the son arrived here, son signed the Tottenham. After that, you know, a lot of Koreans love Tottenham and love son. So just before we started this interview, I noticed you were recording something on your, on your phone, which uh-huh. I guess is going on social media yeah, right. back home. Do you get a lot of reaction from South Korea to the kind of stories you tell about the Premier League? Yeah, just, you know, that, you know, I just uh, make us some the video credit for the YouTube and for the uh, Facebook and something like that, that's social media. So after that, a lot of fans in Korea is the, uh, I mean, the reply to that, yeah. and I ask ask me, yeah. and what's going on, and something, something, something. I just reply that, so that's why the rather Korean loves the song and Korean loves the Tottenham. So one last thing: the Asian Games are taking place at the moment in Jakarta, and you mentioned that people are interested in whether Son yeah. can uh, be part of the winning team, and then he wouldn't have to do national service. Did, did you have to do national service yourself? Me? Yeah, yeah, I did during the two years, two months, at the ten years ago, uh, fifteen years ago. So in t- son, if son will not win the Asian game, but he n- have to conducting the military service. But you know, it's a very um, sophisticated situation. You know, ah, I can't, I can't explain the some the accuracy situation. But uh, maybe without the gold medal in Asian game, but uh, he will not go. To the military service right now, you know, yeah, he can make his military service to delay to the ten years. He's the official, yeah. So, yeah. So it shouldn't really have any impact on him playing in England. It will probably happen if he has to do national service. It will probably happen after at the end of his career. It's it's probably a, it's probably possible to to delay until then. Yeah, yeah, he can do that. He can do that because of you know the he is. Uh, 
he's uh, I mean that he's is just only graduate the middle school, you know the and that to the someone just only graduate the middle school, you know, Korean government, okay you cannot go into the military, you just only some the civilian service is a kind of some the grade. So he can make a delay to the and then he's he he leaving the European country. So he can make a the military to be delayed but the, if he do that a lot of Korean criticize him because of I did somebody did another people did another people did but he cannot maybe a lot of person criticize for the, that situation it's a very sophisticated situation yeah that's very interesting um, you watch Tottenham today they won by three goals to one um, if Son when Son comes back he might struggle to get in the team because people like Mura and Kane are both scoring yeah, I think so. You know, the, compared to the Mora and the Lamela, you know, the son nowadays son is better to them. You know, not individual ability. He knows about uh, you know the the Ali's the movement. He knows the Kane's movement. He knows the Alexander movement. So he can maybe he can better to do that. Do you get to speak to Son very often? Being one of the few South Korean journalists here in England. Mm-hmm, yeah, the after. Uh, after every match, I just met the stone and I'm talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. It's been nice to talk to you. Thank, okay, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. That was Gun Lee, who works for a South Korean newspaper. Very interesting about uh, national service, something that we haven't seen in this country for a few years. I think there's a few people who'd like to bring it back, aren't there? <laughs> they always are, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it reminds me of, uh, of a story I did a few years ago uh, in 2010 when a baseball player played in the Asian Games and right. he was in exactly the same situation as Son is in now in that if they won the gold medal, he would be exempt from national service. Uh, Shin Shu Chu, he's probably Korea's best ever baseball player. He's still playing in the major leagues uh, for the Texas Rangers. He's 36 and he did win a gold medal at the Asian Games in Guangzhou in 2010. So he didn't have to do his national service, but it would have interrupted you know, two years out of his sports career. I think listening to Gun Lee there, what I took from it is the difference in the culture. If there was national service in England and Premier League footballers were required to do it, what would the reaction be to, you know, if, if there was the opportunity to go and win a medal at, say, the World Cup and it would, they would then be exempt? I think culturally there's obviously a big difference. It's pretty clear listening to that interview that the people of South Korea would expect Son to do it. OK, if he wins the gold medal, he's exempt. But otherwise... People in South Korea are going to say, I've done my military service, as Gunley described it, military service rather than national service. I think the, it's only a, a very small difference in, in, in the sort of semantics of that. But the idea that if you're from South Korea and you've done it, you look at somebody, no matter how famous, how successful, and think you ought to do it as well. Well, while Gunn works for a newspaper, most of the foreign correspondents you come across in the press box are uh, TV reporters. Uh, And as mentioned, with the value of overseas rights becoming increasingly important to the Premier League, those those TV reporters need looking after. That's a job done by uh, Premier League Productions. And one of the people they employ to do that is Carl Lieburn. He is, of course, an ex-professional. We'll talk about his job in a moment. But first of all, I asked Carl about his relationship with the press, with the media, when he was playing? <laughs> I think um, players in general, and I'd have to put myself in this category, uh, they end, because they're in the business of, of 
dealing having to deal with criticism. Um, sometimes fair, sometimes maybe a bit unfair. Um, you you almost build up this mistrust of the, of the press, um, and uh, unfortunately, um, that that will probably go across the board. So, you know, even if you're for want of a better word, a good guy in the press, you know, you, you, you probably get painted with the same same brush. So um, I didn't particularly look forward to interviews um, and, um, you know, <laughs> you notice that players will keep things short and brief um, because, you know, they don't want to get misquoted, they don't, they don't want someone to jump on, you know, this, this line that they've said. So, um, you know, you... you, you, you to be honest, the attitude towards the press was probably poor. Um, and, you know, in a modern game, it, it's even bigger, the, the, the press um, attention, especially in the Premiership. Um, so, yeah, uh, my, my attitude towards the press was probably a bit poor, really. Um, I saw myself as, you know, I play football, you know, and I, I, I tried to do my talking on the pitch. So whether that's good today or bad, you know, judge it from that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't even uh, I didn't even think to myself then that I'd particularly still be in the game in terms of the, the press side. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny the, the turnaround, seeing it from the other side now. Do you sense that that's very much the same with today's players and their attitude towards the media and the press, or do you think it's changed? I think it's uh, there still. Um, you know, again with the the, the modern game uh, duties in terms of the press, um, you know, players will do interviews because uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, companies pay big money to get interviews, and um, I think on the football side, possibly that, that that these things have got to be made clear to players now, um, and it's almost to say, you know, but part of part of your pay involves media. Um, Obligations, um, and uh, you have to do it because I'm sure if you said to a player, "I will deduct you," so so, you know, they soon have to do it. So, you know, maybe what comes into it is is probably uh, media training, and I know some clubs started to start to do that. Um, I think the, the, probably the difference nowadays is players are more aware that they do have to do press duties. Um, as I say again, especially in the Premiership, because you know the the, the product is so big now. Um, tell me about your role on match days. You work for Premier League Productions, and and you know what time do you get here, and what do you do? Well, um, we we sort of have to get here sort of uh, anywhere between three to five hours before kickoff. Um, you know that's one thing um, I've, I've learned: the preparation that goes on. With the whole machine, um, the, the old media machine, like you know, I, I happen to work in the TV part of it, but the whole media machi- machine behind it is a- absolutely huge. Um, which um, I, I know possibly wasn't as big when I played, but um, obviously, you know, it still had its uh, mechanics to go through. But um, me as a player back then, I, you weren't really aware of it, that you know, the, 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 what what goes in motion behind the scenes, but. Um, I, I, I definitely aware of it now, and there's a lot of preparation work goes on. Um, uh, the, the amount of jobs that it caters for, um, 
and I, I remember sort of first coming into it, and, and it was it was quite unbelievable, really. Um, but yeah, we, we we get here before the game, um, just preparing information and uh, wrecking the ground where interviews are going to go off, and uh, where um, we're showing my job entails looking after the foreign um, TV reporters um, and it's uh, f- first of all making sure their accreditation is in place um, making them aware of where they're going to get their accreditation um, making them aware of where their interviews are going to take place um, collating the information of who they want to interview um, <laughs> I remember first coming into um, into the job um, <laughs> you you uh, you know you're dealing with people who want this manager or this player, and um, I think when we first come into it, a lot of times they didn't didn't get it, and you know people are kicking off. Um, so that was something I had to deal with as a floor manager for for PLP. Um, you know, I remember ringing in saying, um, you know, are, are they meant to get these interviews? And you know, I was, it was explained that uh, you know they know the situation, they know. Uh, that they may not get the interview, uh, which I found weird because, you know, again, these companies are paying big money and not to get their interview. So I did say to myself at some stage, in terms of, of evolving the, the business, this situation has to be changed by, by, by the people who run the game, the Premier League. Um, and slowly but surely, as years have gone on and bigger money's been, in, been uh, put, put into the game, um, you know, certain rules have come in. You know now, which have which have helped on this side of, of the fence, um, because now I I have to request players to interview and uh, managers to interview, and because I have a bit of insight into what how players think, um, you know, our situations after you've lost the game. Um, so it's again, it's all about managing that, and, and maybe PLP have, 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 have seen something in that in terms of hiring uh, for some former players to to, to, to do the job. Um, and it's about managing uh, people's expectations and, and 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 what interviews they're going to get. You know, um, what, one that comes to mind was uh, when when Liverpool was was near to winning a Premiership and they played at Palace and uh, they literally, in, in my opinion, threw it away at Palace. I think Palace came back. I think it was two two or three three in the end. And um, so you knew you could see on the Liverpool players that you know we, we might have lost the title. Here. You know, I, I to all my uh, my the people I was looking after, we may not get any Liverpool interviews <laughs> this game. And um, you know, in the end, the only one that came out was was the manager, which was um, Brendan Rodgers at the time. Um, so uh, yeah, it's about managing people's expectations. But um, it, it's, it's you know, it's it's good work and it's fantastic seeing it from this side of it. And as I said, just seeing the massive machine that goes on this side of the fence. There was a lot of hubbub in the background in that interview. Where were you when you were chatting to... That was in the West Ham press room while everybody was having their lunch. And um, I just buttonholed uh, Carl and asked him to do a quick piece. And he's um, he's always been very friendly. I worked with him at the BBC some years ago and uh, we have a pretty good relationship. We talk a lot about football and, and his son is making his way in the game. So he's, he's one of the good guys. It's interesting. We think of ex-players going into management and coaching or punditry, but there are other jobs around football that these players get interested in. I got the feeling from Carl, there were other things that were perhaps open to him, but this is what he decided to do. This is where he found 
that he felt comfortable. I've seen Carl around the, the, the interview areas as well, and he seems to enjoy what he does there. He's, he's playing a part in the Premier League, but he isn't perhaps somebody who enjoys being a pundit or being a coach necessarily. This is a, a part that he can play where he's part of the game that he was a part of as a player. Right, I think that's plenty for this week for our first episode. Um, are you covering a game this weekend in the Premier League? Well, I was going to cover Fulham Burnley, but oh, it got right. moved and um, they've had to bring a sub off the bench. That <laughs> and it's me. That wouldn't be you, would it? Yes. <laughs> so um, I, um, I have fallen on my feet, though, because I'm doing a commentary of a French league game on Saturday evening. Oh. So um, I'm happy to be working. I would rather be at uh, Fulham Burnley. But um, as you know, Craven Cottage is one of the most special places on planet football. Yeah, we will get around to talking about um, some of the stadiums and some of the atmospheres that we that we experience when we go to these grounds. I've got two games now, obviously, this weekend, because obviously, on yeah. Saturday I am going to Southampton against Leicester, mm-hmm. um, where Claude Powell isn't popular with either set of supporters, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that'll be interesting. And then uh, Fulham Burnley. Well, hopefully you've got a bit of an insight into the uh, the jobs we do. Let's look ahead to the uh, those fixtures at the weekend. We always like to have a little bit of a, a game. If you heard us on a previous podcast, we used to have what we called the weekend wager. And we're going to carry that on. Um, you had an accumulator last week when we decided to uh, get the ball rolling, didn't you? And I did, yes. It came in, didn't it? It did come in. Uh, don't sound so surprised. <laughs> um, I had... Uh, over 2.5 goals, Tottenham-Fulham. Yes, that was 3-1. West Ham-Bournemouth, over 2.5 goals, and that was 2-1. Yeah. Brighton-Manchester United, I had over 2.5 goals. It didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, but uh, there were more than 2.5 goals, so there I were. was happy. 3-2 to and Brighton. And then um, Crystal Palace-Liverpool, I thought that was going to be quite tight, and I think it proved to be quite tight. OK, Liverpool scored a late breakaway goal, but I had under 2.5 goals on that one. So for my £5 stake... I came home with £64. And I lost my stake gambling on Newcastle to win at Cardiff. And they missed a last-minute <laughs> penalty. Um, this week I'm going for um, Southampton to beat Leicester in the game I'm going to and both teams to score, which, um, looking at my laptop here, is 17-4. to 4. So um, my £5 stake would win me £26.25 should that come in, including my stake coming back, of course. And you're going for your accumulator again, I imagine? Yeah, we're tried and trusted. Why yeah. change? So a Bournemouth-Everton, I think there's going to be more than 2.5 goals in that game. That's 6-4 to four on. Uh, Southampton-Leicester, I've gone under 2.5 goals. Uh, that is 7-4 to four on. Uh, Liverpool-Brighton, over 2.5. Uh, that's 3-1 to one on. You can tell there's some very conservative bets here. Yeah. Um, and then Manchester United-Spurs... Over 2.5 goals. That's 11 to 10. So for my £5 stake, if all four of those come in, I will win £36. So you'll find out one way or another whether we really know what we're talking about. And we probably find out we don't. We can't both win. We can't both win. You've, you've kind of opposed me there. OK, that's it for this edition of Premier League Press Box. Next week, we're going to do something slightly different and have a look back at the life and times of the former Burnley and Northern Ireland legend, Jimmy McElroy. Until then, from us, it's bye for now.